Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. I hope you've had a fantastic week. I've had a really positive week I think. Um, A lot of personal growth and making big decisions and big changes which is very exciting and very empowering and hopefully there'll be some updates I can share with you soon in the coming weeks. Um, I've been working a lot on the online course um, which I'll chat about a bit more next week Um, but it's really our, um, our first course that's all about kind of transforming your life and getting unstuck, finding yourself and you know, moving towards this joyful, meaningful, healthy life, which is what we're all about here at Psyche. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also this week, I've finished and passed all of my level three yoga instructor course, which is super exciting. And so I'm looking forward to putting some classes together, which is just going to be in the, you know, in the local area, because I really want to do, you know, depression, anxiety focused yoga and possibly kind of autism friendly yoga um because you know that's those areas are sort of my background and yoga can be really beneficial for everyone you know it's very um, adaptable it's very can be very tailored you can take it at your own pace but it can be really transformational it can be really really beneficial so um yeah I want to sort of do a focused class because particularly where I am Um, There are quite a lot of yoga instructors around. I think I want to offer these specialist classes. So that is something that I'm going to be developing um, in the coming weeks as well. So for this week's episode, this was really, really fun to record. I mentioned last week and I'm really excited to share it with you because we had such a good discussion it was such a good interview and just general chats with Sarah Jane Perrett from the happiness gap and we were talking about vulnerability we were talking about being present living in the moment uh, we talked about sort of general well-being um we talked about a lot of stuff <laughs> and um you know when I had spoken to Sarah before we organized the recording I said you know it'd be half an hour 45 minutes And actually we were chatting for, you know, well, I was there for nearly four hours, to be honest. We had a coffee and a chat first. We then recorded the interview that you're going to hear, which is, you know, an hour and 20 minutes long. Um, But, you know, I think such an interesting discussion that I've, you know, not really wanted to cut any of it out because I think it is really valuable and really interesting. And then we kept chatting afterwards as well. So I really hope you enjoy this interview as much as we enjoyed talking thank you again to Sarah for coming on the podcast and you can check out the happiness gap um, and there'll be a link in the show notes to the website so we hope you enjoy it and I'll be back afterwards hi Sarah hi Hi, Hannah (laughs) Uh, thanks for sitting down with me today for a little bit of a chat so uh, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Okay, um, I'm Sarah Jane Perrett and um, by day I am a brand consultant, graphic designer um, and then in the rest of my time 
I have a passion project which has sort of just happened in the last few years which is called the happiness gap. It's grown out of my life experiences where I kind of had a terrible time, found ways to get over that, feel better in my life and I would now love to share that with others. So I write a, a blog um, when I feel the urge to do so and I sort of populate it with whatever is going on in my mind, things that have helped me, resources, um, helping people to undemonize their emotions basically. It's called the happiness gap because I've noticed in myself and others everybody's striving to be happy which is lovely, we all love our happy moments but then what about the rest of your life when you're not? You know, when you're feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, a bit depressed, you're wiping out that part of your life you're missing a lot. So my mission really is to show people that you can accept all of your emotions. You can be unhappy even, you know, happy even when you feel unhappy. Um, and tools and resources and just my take on it, what's worked for me don't really know what it is yet but I'm just kind of doing with it going with it and let's see where we go awesome just go with the flow yeah and we're going to um, talk a bit later about something that you've written about or a topic that you've written about in a five-part series so we'll come back to that as well okay. so although obviously we're not always happy uh, and I sort of because I feel like when we use the term happy people sometimes like cling on to wanting to have that all the time so I tend to talk about joy and those like little moments of joy that come up even when you might be having a really bad day you can still have glimpses of it yeah uh, so the next question is kind of about what brings you joy or what always boosts your mood so if you're having one of those sort of down days and you just need a bit of a boost yeah what's your sort of if I'm having a down day the very first thing I do is clear my diary if I possibly can and I go into self-care mode what's going to make me feel better even if it's a small increment um, a lot of the time I'm finding more and more that going out to nature, um, even just if I can't go for a walk, driving in the car and the window right down and feeling the wind in my hair, breathing the air, looking at the sun and the sky, you don't have to pay for the sun to come up, it comes up every day, appreciation and just learning from others actually often if I sometimes you know you wake up in the morning you've got a massive day ahead you might be feeling a little bit sort of off kilter just had a nice cup of tea arrived so um, do you know what just uh, as you were saying that the first thing that came to my mind for being nature have you heard of forest bathing I haven't so it's this, you know, I think because people are getting out of touch with nature, yeah. so there's this movement of basically going out into nature and forest bathing, so being in the woods and just absorbing yeah. that kind of energy and reconnecting. And yeah. so yeah, it's like a, a movement now. It so. is interesting that you have to go into nature and disconnect to reconnect. Mm. So disconnecting with the madness of everyday life and electronics and whatnot. Going into nature, it's kind of you and the tree. I am a tree hugger. I do hug trees, but that's because it just feels good. Mm -hmm. It feels lovely, you know. Um, but anyway, even if it's just, if I'm having a crazy day or I'm at home, I can go out into my garden and sit on the bench for five minutes and just watch a little robin in the garden or, you know, just, just feeling that around me. Um, what gives me joy as well is sharing knowledge with people 
and learning. So I'm constantly learning. I'm never going to know it all. I'm never going to have it all done. And I, I used to think I had to reach that perfectionism of knowing everything, but I've realised it's a journey forever. And anything I learn as I go, it's my pleasure to then share one with others. Yeah, and listening to other people's stories. When I have a terrible day, sometimes I've got to get up and go out. I can't clear the day. I will put somebody on who has an inspiring story. I'll listen to their challenges. Um, I listen to Tony Robbins a lot. He has some great stories. And then often I come out the other side thinking, well, do you know what? Compared to what they've gone through and where they are, my life is really not so bad. So just putting stuff in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. The most, the most important thing is I have compassion for myself, as I would with my friend or my children, anyone that's not having a great day. I don't beat myself up. And I soothe. I have a voice in my mind that's going, it's okay, it's all right to feel like this, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. I think that, that self-talk so often is really critical, isn't it? And yeah. if you just kind of think, I was thinking this like yesterday, I haven't tried this, but you know, if you have a thought, like typing it out as if you were going to send it to a friend and yeah. then stopping her, would I actually send it to yes. that friend? Would they still be with my friend? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then why are you saying it to yourself? And so yeah, if you can turn it into that friend voice in your head, the soothing voice, which you know, if you're having a bad day and you reach out to a friend, that's what they would say to you. That's so much healthier to yeah. have in your head. Yeah. So we all think that we shouldn't have a bad day, but just that in itself, if you're having a bad day and you think I shouldn't be having a bad day, I don't like the word shouldn't and should. It puts pressure on you because you're making yourself wrong instantly, mm. and that doesn't feel good. And that always causes suffering because you're having an argument with reality then. You are having a bad day, so you've just got to deal with it. Don't try and deny it, you know. And it's that, you know, yeah, trying to deny it makes yeah. it worse. It really then, does. You know, yeah. rather than just going, today's going to be a bad day. Yeah. So just just deal with it. Yeah. Um, wanting it to not be, just, it's not going to change it. And then you just spend all your time wishing it was different. Yeah. And that comparison. Is what it is, but, but also as well, I'm very aware that I've just sort of labelled that with bad, a bad day. So then you're sort of setting up your day to be bad. It's an uncomfortable, your, your day's fine, you're feeling uncomfortable in some way within yourself, which is fine, it's, you know, um, but that's like taking the next step along and then you get into self-analysis. But it's just chilling out, letting go, and doing something that makes you feel great. And I love, I've got um, on YouTube, I have a folder of inspirational videos. Yeah. So when I see something that, you know, that those stories, or that kind of almost brings a tear to your eye, that kind of emotion, we'll save them in there so that if I'm feeling down, I can kind of yeah. watch them back. Well, uh, a Tony Robbins podcast I listened to a while ago, he said, sometimes, you know, if you lose your job, you have something awful happen, you lose your job. It's the end of the world. You can drive yourself nuts. You can have a nervous breakdown over it until you lose your, all your savings, your life savings. And then losing the job doesn't seem so bad. Losing your savings is the end of the world. And then you have an accident and lose a limb. And when you're at that point, you're there wishing that you just lost your job. So it's just getting a handle on reality. Really, how bad is this? Is this going to be like this tomorrow? Probably not. You know. I listened to, I think it was an advert with Katie Piper. Do you know Katie Piper? Yes. And she was like, you know, uh, when she had a, the, the acid attack, and yes. then she was in a coma for quite, I can't remember how long, but a long time. Uh, the police had to like take all her stuff in for evidence. 
um, and like her friends have kind of moved on with their lives and so she's been at that point where literally she had nothing yeah. and in injuries and so now when people say mean things about like the colour of her hair she's like whatever I can handle this because that's there's nothing worse than that yeah well there probably is but you know it'd be a leap wouldn't it yeah yeah yeah. I've already sort of said a little bit that joy is one of my buzzwords my other one is about meaning uh, and having a meaningful life which is obviously different for for everyone Um, so what makes life meaningful for you Um, I know it's a corny one but it is helping others sharing my stories and things that have made me feel a lot better in life and find my moments of joy with other people um, sharing that on I call it spreading light I've got my good vibes t-shirt on today Um, that's my aim and intention every day spread good vibes wherever possible and uh, progression all the time progressing Constantly learning, I'm evolving, we're all evolving all the time. Um, so we're kind of not getting stagnant, really. I'm trying to think what else did I have there. Creating, whatever that means, whether it's within my job or whether it's creating thoughts and inspiration. Um, yeah, creating, progress. Yeah, I think creativity is this big one that you know when we're children we're so creative aren't we we're like we're drawing we're painting we're we're games and then you know well you've got a creative kind of main job uh but i haven't so much and so you know i know for some people when they have to get a real job they have to move away from that creativity because that's a childish thing to do but then as adults quite often you kind of come back to it because you feel that there's something missing absolutely there's no limit with children they're on the moon five minutes in their heads you know there is no questioning um, I often think about when I was a teenager and I had big posters on my wall of my aspirational life and I was going to live that life where did my posters go I took them all down and kind of got real mm. why should we do that it's all those shoulds again isn't it that we pick up on that why oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't yeah. do that because now I'm a, I've got to be an a adult grown up now. Um, yeah. I don't know if my partner will like me sharing the story <laughs> but I'm share it anyway uh, so we had this conversation before about Lego oh yeah I love Lego we had Lego when we were younger yeah and, and so when he'd kind of grown up he was like I can't have Lego because I want to have a girlfriend so I can't yeah. and then when I was like no Lego's cool yeah. now yeah. he's got a Lego table yeah. in, the, in the spare room and he has Lego because then suddenly it was like the reason that he stopped doing it wasn't because he didn't enjoy it it was because he felt that you know he couldn't because yeah. that's what society says and then actually he's got a girlfriend now so you know it was that kind of bring it back in and it's something that he enjoys and he's notoriously hard to buy presents for so now suddenly just buy like so you've got a whole world in front of you now yeah and when it's creative because it he does creative. he'll if he gets the set he'll make the set it's all in a big box and they'll just free create yeah so I loved having kids and one of the reasons you know minor reasons was that they love Lego and I could sit on the floor with them for hours and build things and yeah yeah so what he was doing there was his vulnerability was coming out in that he didn't want to show that part of himself to you yeah and I suppose maybe I don't know maybe he had experiences where you know someone might have been like well why do you like Legos you're a grown-up yeah but yeah or just but sometimes I think it's just what you think people will think. So yeah. I, I did ballet when I was younger 
And when I got to 10 and I was about to start secondary school, I stopped doing ballet because I didn't know I had this worry about what people would think about it. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you know, when I was at secondary school, for some reason, I, oh, I wish they'd kept doing ballet. And uh, yeah, it wasn't what anyone said, it was just my worry about what people might say. It was your it. story, the story yeah. that you told around it. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, so, obviously, uh, on the podcast, and my whole kind of thing is about mental wellness because I think, you know, we have a big focus on mental illness and mental health that everyone benefits from actually making sure they're well and looking after their mental wellness. Yeah. So what does mental wellness mean to you and what do you do to look after your own mental well-being? Mental wellness to me, the first thing actually that stands out to me is to try not to label. So years ago I was a sufferer of depression you know very sort of deep dark um, depression and looking back on that I kind of I wish I knew then what I know now um, I sort of was so suppressed with all my emotions sloshing around inside me that if I had a day where I didn't feel good I would just suddenly judge it, put a label on it and go, I'm mentally unwell, I need to go to the doctor and get some tablets. And then I'd see six months to a year ahead of me of not feeling good. It was, I was building a big dark story. So for me, mental wellness is being an integrated human being. I integrate myself with my emotions. I completely honour them, I look at them for what they are, I name them, I accept them, I take the message they're giving me and I integrate them within me rather than pushing them away and being frightened of them. Mental wellness is about letting go of fear. Mental wellness for me is um, being okay with not being okay. Because um, when you're okay with not being okay, anything's possible at all. It's trusting myself, it's trusting me, and it is about seeing my value, um, caring for myself, parenting myself, caring for myself, loving myself, nurturing myself, and being happy to look inside and say, do you know what, there's some really dark bits in there that I don't really like, I don't really feel very proud of them, but they're there. I don't know why they're there, but I can't do anything really about that. But I'm just going to put the light on in that bit of myself, shine a light on it, look at it for what it is and go, do you know what, I'm not perfect, I'm a human being. That is part of being a human being. So I guess self-acceptance, learning to love myself, learning to accept all the emotions, not just the comfortable feeling ones, but the uncomfortable feeling ones, and integrating them into me as a whole. And a big part as well for me is keeping my heart open at all times, not shutting down. Um, there's probably loads of other stuff, but they're the ones that come to mind at the moment. Awesome. So there's a couple of bits I want to pick up on from that. So self-care and the self-nurturing, and I think that's a big thing that I've been working on for myself and finding for myself. And I think that's quite interesting that, you know, we sort of lose that ability I guess so when we're younger you're like everything is about you when you're a child like you are the center of the universe <laughs> and then what I wonder whether it's you know as you get a bit older it's labeled as selfish maybe to think about yourself in that way so then yeah. we almost feel this guilt about looking after ourselves absolutely it kind of goes too far yeah. away from it there is actually there's a, a blog post that I wrote all about being selfish 
being selfish the way that people use it in a negative way is different to being selfish in that you are looking after yourself. If you don't look after yourself first, you're not capable to look after anyone else. The way I always think of it is when you're on a plane, if you have a child with you, they always say if the masks come down, the oxygen masks, you put yours on first and then you put your child's on. Because if it's the other way around, you'll probably both die. So self-care and being selfish to look after you and to look after your needs, it, that also means that you fulfill yourself and when you're self-fulfilled, you are not a drain on others. You don't drain their resources. You look after you, you self-care. You don't need to then drag other people in and control them and to make you all right. You're in charge. So, and I think we're going to kind of uh, segue into uh, one of the, the kind of big topics that we're going to chat about today. Because um, we're talking about that kind of open-heartedness and I guess the concern, you know, if you're being open and if the barrier down is about that being vulnerable. And, vulnerable. and so I... Um, I think in the second podcast that I did, I sort of reflected on putting the first podcast out, feeling really vulnerable about being open and, you know, and I sort of recorded it and that was fine. But then when I had to actually kind of put it out into the world and the thought that people might listen to it and listen to something that's quite personal, you know, is that vulnerability. Um, So, you know, if you're living this kind of open hearted life, do you have any kind of thoughts around vulnerability or any advice? kind of you know dealing with that feeling yes make friends with it as quickly as you possibly can (laughs) get used to it because the more you do you you can't get rid of it um Brené Brown wrote an amazing book about it called Daring Greatly she has sort of publicized vulnerability and I've talked about it in my articles that it is your superpower because once you can be okay with showing your vulnerability, you can do anything. You don't have to pretend. You um, don't care what other people think of you. You can show the parts of yourself that you don't really like very much, but still feel okay and realize that they're a part of you as a whole. You can be your genuine, authentic self. So you don't have to walk around with different masks on. You know, there was a time in my life, I'm a really different person now to how I was many years ago, and I would walk around and just have masks on, pretending to be a certain person, to the point where sometimes I couldn't remember who I was with which person, what story I told and why, and it was exhausting. You know, just being utterly you, warts and all, is great. It, it makes you powerful. You can steam through anything. I think that's the mask is something I'm still <laughs> dealing with. And I think that's something, I guess, um, you know, if you're used to living like that, it's, you know, there are so many that, like, you know, peel it them all layers. off. It's yeah. layers, definitely. Yeah. The other thing, as I say, that I think also that kind of, when you're being your authentic self or you're kind of um, laying it all out, <laughs> like, um, I think the connection you have with people is so much deeper because, yeah. you know, you're actually, you're being who you are. And I, you I feel I'm, you know, a real people pleaser, trying not to do it so much. But I found sometimes in social situations, I'm worrying so much about how people react to what I'm doing that I'm not actually being myself. So then if they don't like me, well, how could they? Because I'm not being me for them to 
yes. know to know yeah. and it's that kind of cycle that you know if you're so worried about you know, being vulnerable and putting yourself out there then yeah. of course you're not going to have these deep friendships or connections because no one actually knows you no how can you connect with someone that you don't know like you say and a lot of our communication as human beings I, I don't know if I've got this quite right but I believe that 7% of our communication is vocal, it's our language, speaking to each other, and the rest is all instinct, body language, we pick up on it in other ways. When a person is, um, I, I say when someone is not, their outside isn't matching what's going on inside, you feel it. You've probably met someone before that it's like something's really uncomfortable about them, you can't get a handle on it, but something is not right, and you and then people won't feel safe. They won't feel safe around you. They won't trust you. They can't open up to you. They can't connect with you. The root of vulnerability is shame. Deep, your deep sense of shame. The parts of you that you think, if I show people this part of myself, I'm going to lose my connection with them. But actually, the complete opposite is true. Because when you open up and you show those parts of yourself and you're genuine, people feel that. You know, when you meet a really authentic person that's, that's comfortable with themselves, comfortable in their skin, you feel it. They don't have to say anything, it radiates out of them and you feel com comfortable. And then when people feel comfortable, when they trust you, when they know you're not fake and you're not just saying stuff and paying lip service to them and saying what they want to hear, they will feel comfortable connecting and you'll get the deepest relationships you could ever possibly have as a human being. That's my experience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that when you're, you know, you're, because we all, like we said, have like difficult times or, you know, without wanting to label it too much, we all have those moments. And if you're vulnerable and you share that kind of the darker stuff, then it almost makes other people feel better because they, it's not just them and suddenly, they you know, relate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just come back to the thing you said about the kind of, of what we say in the body language and the tone, because I've, I've taught that in psychology before. But um, do you know the, the way we say stuff, the intonation and the tone, communicates more than what we actually say. And I had a brilliant example of this in um, actually happened to me. So I had been teaching at a summer school, and there was one of the teachers who was um, quite quirky, quite an individual. And we had a team meal out and he got very drunk and so then he proceeded to tell me how much of a good teacher he thought I was <laughs> how amazing my teaching was but he was shouting at me and swearing at me and so the kind of what, what he was saying was really nice but the way it was delivered was quite <laughs> confrontational and so you had this weird like I can I can hear what you're saying but the feeling I'm getting is that I'm under attack um, and it's just like a classic example of that you know you can it doesn't matter what someone's saying. And you have that classic, or how are you? I'm fine. And it's like, I can tell. Oh, yeah. That you're not, you're not no. fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Women are often good at that. I'm sorry to be like genderistic, whatever you, but you know, I know that myself sometimes in the past, my partner has said, Oh, are you okay? I'm like, Yes, I'm fine. I mean, that's so loaded with undercurrent, isn't it? Because the backstory that's running underneath yeah. that one. I think me and my partner are quite a good place where. So yesterday, uh, he said something to me and I was like, oh yeah, no, that's fine, go ahead. And he's like, are you, is that, <laughs> is that really, like, is there something else there? Is that real? <laughs> is that, do you mean that? Yeah. 
Um, and I kind of did, kind of did, but you know, it was that kind of wary, like, is that actually what you mean? We've kind of touched on this a little, a little bit anyway. Um, so we've kind of talked about mindset and the way you view, you know, we view stuff. But how would you describe your own personal mindset and like your outlook on life? Or? My outlook on life? I, this is the most difficult question, actually. Sorry. <laughs> it is, well, because it's me looking at me then, isn't it? So, undemonizing my emotions, open, expanding, evolving. I'm consciousness, exploring consciousness, if you want to go really deep. I'm happy to feel unhappy. Um, I found these days I'm very present. Um, again, going back to my, I call it my previous life, I was always doing um, living in the past or future thinking. Didn't spend much time in now, and things have happened in my life where I've realised actually all you ever have is this moment now, and now that's gone, and it's now, yeah. and it's a series of now. And the best way I've found to live, the most comfortable way, is being in my now. Talking of living in the now, someone's birthday. Just enjoy someone's birthday. <laughs> Happy, Happy birthday! birthday. <laughs> <laughs> there live you go. In the moment. A moment of someone's joy that we're sharing. Yeah, if, if you're just now and you love now and I look on it that I squeeze the life out of every now moment that I have, that frees me and that liberates me. I'm not mulling over the past which is gone and I can't do anything about and I'm not putting my head into the future worrying into what might be and actually if I worry too much about it I might make it happen anyway. Um, that's my mindset and accepting whatever is now I don't put expectation on it so I don't wake up and expect to be happy and then get depressed that I'm not I just look at it as oh it's that yeah. what should we do with that possibility I suppose and I think if you can be in that moment you know the, the, the things that get you all kind of wrapped up the shoulds and the need to the shoulds are you know you're looking back on saying oh I shouldn't have done that I should have done this yeah or thinking about what you need to do yeah actually that none of that is to do with the present no because those thoughts aren't about what you're doing now it's thinking you know and it's that comparison you know, like we said so I think yeah that that's why mindfulness is having such a big thing at the moment, isn't it? Because there's something to it that you know, yeah. if you can be present, if you can, you know, forget about all the other stuff and just live, yeah, then it's so much better. Just be now. Yeah, it's all you've got, literally. Um, and I, I, I came to that viewpoint massively when my son had an accident, and one moment everything was fine. I was just you know doing my daily thing and within one second of his accident our life turned upside down for a year but what we both took from that was a very positive gift of learning that you just have now yeah. you know that was a that was a powerful thing to go through um, and don't get me wrong you know I get my days where I'm like oh, I should have done that I'm human but but I don't expect to always be present which yeah. helps in itself Sometimes I will think about the past and sometimes I will think about the future, but that's in my present. That's what I'm doing right now, so that's fine. I just, yeah. it's acceptance. I think it's that, 
you know, something's happened and then maybe you reflect on it, you learn from it, you move on. It's that going over and over and over again. Yeah. And think, you know, thinking about the future. I mean, you know, we've said about wanting to grow and progress and there has to be some element of looking forward. Yeah. But again, it's like make a plan and then go not obsessing over it. And I think yeah. that's, you know, when we're spending all our time in those two areas and not in the now, Yeah. that's when you, yeah. The thing that I've learned in, in my life anyway, and in my perspective, is everything is right for me right now. I might not like it, but everything, everything I've gone through, whether I've labelled it bad, good, uncomfortable, comfortable, when I really look at, at the story of that experience, if I look in an unconnected, unjudging way, I've come out of every single experience I've had with a gift at the end and it's either the gift of knowledge I've learned things the gift of insight into myself as a person I've learned stuff I've learned I'm strong I'm, you know um, I can do stuff that I never thought I could do I've learned that people love me and are there and I have support around me because people come in and often unexpected ways to support you when you need them and you think gosh I didn't know I had that how lovely is that you know when you look at those things and judge on those things when you come out of a, a not very good experience, that is a gift. Mm. You learn. Yeah. So no matter what happens, it's right it is right for me right now. And that's when I say that to myself, I feel comfort mm. inside. Because how lovely is that? I'm not arguing with it, I'm not arguing with reality, going it shouldn't be like this and it should be like that. It is what it is, and it's right for right now doesn't mean it will have to happen you know tomorrow but right now it's right I think one of the things I've been doing is kind of I guess exploring spirituality a bit more or you know and people could conceptualize things however they want as God or a higher power or the universe and what I've sort of been doing is thinking like you know this everything that's happening there's something from the universe that I have to learn or have to you know take from it and sort of trying to think what is the lesson or what is you know the thing to get from it so I um, started a new role and when I first went for it it all just kind of fell into place but then when it kind of got towards starting I was having this real feeling of you know um, uncertainty about it but I just kind of started thinking that it fell into place so smoothly that there must be something for me to get from it from the universe so just being open to the experience and you know seeing what what I have to learn or what I have to you know change or grow and um so I think it's a similar it is we're sifters we're as as humans we sift we sift experience so like you say you you follow something through faith and I go on gut feeling a lot I listen for that little sort of voice inside of me my instinct is it a yes is it a no because you know when it's a no and you know when it's a yes you do whether you listen to it or not that's a different thing and if it's a yes I'll follow that path but at some point that might turn into a no and then so then I'm constantly sifting is this a yes or a no if it's not right sift that one out let's go with this instead or what's over there it's expanding consciousness isn't it and thought and experience I think it's all about that being open and reflecting and rather than you know I've like I've committed to this I have to stick with it or again those I have to do it because I've agreed that you know being open and reflecting and you know just kind of checking in with yourself and yeah you know what's working what's not and I think sometimes we just go on autopilot and we don't you know 
check in with how things are going. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time people are alive but they're not living. They're on autopilot, kind of like um, living but asleep within yeah. themselves. And, and I've lived that massively until 2013 when I sort of had a bit of a, like a breakdown and then a, I suppose you call it a spiritual awakening and everything changed from there. It's like I woke up and we're, we're sort of great creators, you know, but we've forgotten. Yeah. I tr- my, my personal belief is that we're on this planet to have good times. We're on this planet to find what brings us joy. Follow your bliss, you know, whatever rocks your boat. Um, find joyfulness. In my perspective, that is around loving things, you know, being loving, sharing love, connection with people. But I'm always sort of, well, am I am I feeling my joy down this path? If it's a no, then I need to make an adjustment and sift it out. The, uh, the autopilot, I like that kind of idea. And I have this sort of um, metaphor, analogy for it, the idea that a lot of the time we're just like a passenger in our own lives. We're yeah. just kind of, it's going, <laughs> we're just there. And we zone out a lot. And then occasionally we kind of, oh, what's happening? And it's about that moving into the driving seat yeah. and you know and actually being in control in inverted commas because yeah. you know but actually being more active and more yes. so that kind of shifting from being a passenger to the driver it's, it's living as opposed to just existing isn't it and i think that's where you know when you're just existing that's where you fall back into those patterns and all those shoulds come in and and it you know can be hard to break out of that you know, it's, it's that kind of default if you're tired or if you're having, you know, you've got lots going on, you just default back into that. You do, it's a kind of a safety thing, isn't it? Um, and you can also fall into self-destructive behaviours as well, which links back into vulnerability. Um, Brene Brown discovered when she sort of studied vulnerability, what was that, the root was shame. and. What stops you being vulnerable, vulnerable is that you're trying to hide your shame. It cuts the connection, being able to connect with others and being able to connect with yourself. And what she discovered beyond that is that when people feel vulnerable, often they numb themselves out with things like, with addiction, basically, whatever that is, you know, alcohol or drugs or shopping or eating, they feel so uncomfortable, they numb it. But that numbs everything. That numbs all the good feeling things as well. That numbs the joy. That numbs the love. That closes your heart down. Um, it just sort of, and then you fall into that pattern of you're you're living a life. You're just existing. You don't have joy. You don't feel good. You don't know where you're going. You're on autopilot, and then because you're in that zone, you go back to the addiction to numb it all out, and then you're just living this sort of existence. So embracing your vulnerability is a way to break out that even though it's really uncomfortable to do and challenging that's the path out but it's like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah you know and i think it's something that doesn't last like even if you're feeling so you think you're feeling um really anxious about something yeah and you think about what's happening in the body and that kind of heightened state of arousal that it cannot maintain for that long no you know if you kind of stay with it rather than avoid it 
it drops off because that's yeah. what happens in the body. Yeah. But our, our immediate reaction, really kind of feeling anxious, is to back away. Yeah. And then it, you know, in the brain, you're just like laying down that connection over and over and over again. That you are. When this happens, yeah, I don't I, listen. Yeah, I shut it down. Yeah. I know. I always think that our feelings are sometimes they're like a toddler that just you know when a toddler wants something the toddler wants that thing and they will not give up and they they shout at you and they tug at you and they get louder and louder and then until they're kicking and screaming on the floor your feelings are like that your feelings are their signals and they're there to tell you something and if you're feeling anxious that's your protection system inside saying hello alert alert if you look it in the face and say what is it that you're trying to tell me what, what's your message to me today and you can identify the message and, and then accept it and say thank you for that okay that's fine and acknowledge it and then you can integrate it into you instead of pushing it away and trying to numb it out anything that you don't listen to is just going to yell louder isn't it well, there's a thought that you know that, that some things like pain in the body or even illnesses could be like a psychosomatic thing where you've not listened to that first thing and so then the body's like right fine I'll give you a louder message and then louder and louder yeah yeah I, I do believe that we hold emotion in our bodies unexpressed emotion emotions are energy in motion emotion they move through our body they're integrated with us when you don't integrate them they get stuck and they express themselves through pain pain is the message you need to address this you need to look at me um, and in my personal experience a lot of people I've spoken to the pain has symbolized something in their life they're not dealing with um, and illness as well and I found great healing and they found great healing in acknowledging what that is taking in that message dealing with it and then the pain goes away you know my, my partner gave up a job and he's um, self-employed his work went very quiet he had nothing and he got to the point he was like this is awful so he took a job that he didn't really want to at the time a full-time job and then his back seized up and I said how do you how does the pain feel and he said I feel inflexible I can't move I'm just stuck and I said how does it feel being in this new job inflexible can't move and I'm stuck and as soon as he solved that and, you know changed what he was doing the pain completely went so yes, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea of the emotion, that moving and that energy because you know you can definitely feel other people's emotions, can you? That energy, like if you go into a room and someone is angry, yeah, but if they're not saying, you can feel <laughs> that energy. And even we talked to tell you about the kind of empaths and being able to pick up on things more. But I think anyone, even if they're not. And I can tell if someone is sad, if someone is angry, if someone's really happy. Yeah. But it's infectious, you know, yeah. you kind of, you know, pick up on that. Um, so definitely, yeah, it's, a, it's an energy. And I think sometimes some people are more happy accepting that if you're a little bit more kind of woo-woo. <laughs> but, but, you know, even if you're not and you sort of, uh, you know, this kind of spiritual talk is a bit kind of, you know, you're skeptical of, you know, you can feel the energy of people's emotions. Absolutely. Um, and that, that happens sometimes between my partner and I. Um, my partner is sort of, I suppose, the strong, silent type, you know, doesn't really feel comfortable talking about emotions and things like that, but he does have them. And sometimes he has very uncomfortable ones. And I can walk in the room and I say to him, you're eggshelly today. I feel like I have to walk on eggshells around him. And I call it, years 
ago, I would have tiptoed around thinking, oh, it's my fault, trying to make him feel better and do everything to cheer him up and, you know, probably annoy the hell out of him. Now, I can feel something's not a match. The outside's not matching the inside. And I'll say to him, are you okay? What's going on? You feel eggshelly because I've explained all of this stuff and he gets it now, you know, much as he doesn't really want to, but, um, but he gets it. And he'll say, actually, no, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling blah. And, we're, and then there's always something underneath. And as soon as we uncover it and have a chat about it and, you know, whether we solve it or not, it's out in the open. And then that feeling dissipates completely. So part of opening up to being vulnerable is being in that situation and having vulnerability, accepting vulnerability is courage. Having courage and having compassion. Having the courage to speak from your heart. The word courage, the, the Middle English courage, means um, connecting from the heart. And it is, it's having that open communication. It's having the courage to say to somebody, I love you, before they say it to you. And saying it with no attachment, I love you, this is how I feel. Just because I love you, I don't expect you to say I love you back. This is genuinely me. And it doesn't matter, you know, you don't have to pay me back in any way. It is what it is. So having that courage to go to someone that feels really uncomfortable and angry and and feeling like that he might sling his computer across the room or something, he never would, but you know, yeah. thinking if you've got an angry person in you, what are they going to do? But doing it anyway. Yeah. And saying, are you okay? I always, I've always discovered within myself that sometimes, you know, being a woman, a woman of a certain age, hormones can be a challenge. Sometimes I don't feel good and I don't really know why, it's just chemical. And I'm just horrible, I'm a bit grumpy. And then I get angry. And, and what I've discovered with that is when I feel angry, I'm, it, it, that's a layer, that's a top layer of emotion. And what's always underneath that is I'm feeling vulnerable. So when, if I flare up now with my partner and he doesn't know why, what's, he's like, whoa, what's going on there? He knows now, he'll say, are you okay? And, I, and then usually I go, no, I'm not, I'm feeling vulnerable. And then I have a cry, and then he gives me a hug, and he says, it's all right, it's okay. And then it's just, it dissipates. Yeah. I think anger is one of those emotions that um, we quite often like default to anger, but often it's something else. It's covering up. Frustration, or often sadness, or that vulnerability. Yeah. But, you know, um, I'm doing um, a sort of counselling training course, and we were talking about this sort of idea in a case study this week that actually, you know, if someone's seeing anger, usually it's because they can't handle the sadness or other emotions, but quite the sadness underneath. Because they can't deal with that, they have this anger, which in some ways, although it's not a pleasant emotion, it's more easy to deal with, because I guess we're projecting out, we're angry yeah. at someone, usually not ourselves, but sometimes because we don't want to feel that more painful emotion or vulnerability. It is. It, it, honestly, I always say an angry person is a vulnerable feeling person. Um, and the anger is your, your the ego part of you is like the guard dog of you and your security and your well-being. But if you've had trauma or if you've had a loss or if you've had some traumatic experience, 
that guard dog can suddenly go onto red alert and then it doesn't know when to stand down and you can get locked in that kind of anger, depression, anger, depression type cycle. But honestly, that so many times someone's like, have you ever had that experience when somebody has just gone for you, gone for your jugular, and you just have no idea where on earth that's come from? Um, that's often like trauma that's going on inside them, or you said something perfectly, probably perfectly innocent, and you've got too close to their ball of shame that's locked up inside and so they're protecting that shame, they don't want that to come out. So their defence is just thrown out. Yeah. I just, you know, talking about anger and vulnerability, I'm reflecting back to a period of time I spent teaching, actually not really teaching, I was um, an autism specialist in a secondary school working with these year sevens who were really struggling to adjust and we did uh, with CAMS um, a kind of anger management program and it was a lot about just understanding emotions connecting to it because you have these you know little balls of energy that are really angry mm -hmm. actually if you think about what's going on whether in a stressful environment for everyone but they've got these you know additional challenges with understanding it and kind of you know making sense of it so you know how vulnerable is that situation Absolutely. and then it's projecting to anger yeah. they get punished for the results of that anger yeah but at the core is this vulnerable child yeah and and it quite often it frustrated me the kind of you know approach of school kind of punishing yeah. the outcome when actually I think more has to be done for that understanding yeah that vulnerability yeah. that I don't understand I don't know what's going on can't handle it yeah so I'm gonna be angry and lash out because yeah. Well, if you think about um, if you think about a dog, you know if a dog has been beaten and has had a horrible experience, and you're trying to help that dog if it's a stray or something, but you get it in a corner, what's it going to do? It's going to bark and it's going to give you a massive bite, but it's frightened. You know, it's often with that sort of thing with anger, you've got to look on the inside. What's the root of this? Where is that kind of vulnerability? And you can do it with yourself as well. Whenever I feel angry, I um, I meditate. I have discovered meditation, but it just means that I I just cut myself off a little bit from what's going on outside, and I go inside, and I look at it and think, oh, what's going on in there? And I have this conversation inside with myself. Well, that's interesting. You're feeling angry. Where's that coming from then? And what I've found now is often I'll get a word, I'll get a phrase, I'll have a memory about something, somebody will come into my mind, or it might just be um, a picture that comes up, and it will be the answer. Because you know you, and you have all the answers inside of you, but sometimes you choose not to listen. So if you go inside, everything starts with you and finishes with you. If you go inside of yourself, all the answers are there. But it's learning how to tap into that. And being okay with uncomfortable things yeah. being inside. I um, think about, um, you know, the, the anger that is a response to kind of frustration disappointment. And, you know, and, I, and the idea of people causing you to be angry. But no one can make you angry. No. Because anger is your response. Uh, someone said something this week to me that kind of you can never make anyone feel anything because you that person owns their emotions like yeah. that is them yeah and you know i just think i, I like the example of someone cutting you up I, I might have talked about this last week actually on the podcast 
but you know, like a lot of us will just get really angry at that and frustrated. And even if someone's done something that is reckless or mean or whatever, you choose how you respond. And like they've cut me up, they've gone on their date, it's not bothering them. I'm just making myself miserable if I'm gonna get angry. And I don't want that in my life. So now I just like wish you happiness. Yeah. Whatever. Because you know, that's it's our reaction and I don't want to spend my day angry just because someone was an idiot on the road. It's so, so true. Do you know, my partner and I, we had um, a discussion about that and he can't see my viewpoint, which that's fine, that's up to him. He gets really angry if someone does that on the road and he's like, oh, that idiot, what a selfish, idiotic person. So he's judging them and he doesn't even, I can't even see in the car. He knows nothing about what's going on in their life where I will say, but his wife could be having a baby. His mum could be taking her last breath in hospital and he's trying to get there. He might be really unwell and he's desperately trying to get home. Or, you know, she might be having to go and pick her child up from nursery that's hurt themselves. There is that. People do stupid stuff when they're in an emergency. Unless you can see into that car and talk to that person, you have no idea what is going on in that person's life or in their mind. And some days, you're going to be that person. You're going to be the one that's annoying everybody else. So you judging them, then you're going to open yourself up to being judged yourself. And how uncomfortable is that? Mm. Who wants to be judged? So, yeah, yeah, just drop the judgment. You'll yeah, feel much better. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be hard to do it, can it? It takes practice, trust. And even yeah. I don't always manage to achieve that. Yeah. But if I can do that 70% of the time, yeah. and then that means that oh, people understand. I, I, I believe that what you give out comes back to you. And when I understand others, or even make an attempt to understand what's going on with them, it seems that I get so much understanding from people. Um, I don't know who said this, but there is a saying, first seek to understand and then seek to be understood. Mm. And I love that because I put myself into another person's zone of experience in life. And when I can understand why they're behaving in a certain way, it doesn't feel like it's all about me. I don't take it personally. Yeah. So I can then detach. And I don't need to ruin my day with it or anything. Well, and usually, if you know someone snaps at you, whatever, it's not usually about you. No, it's about it's about them. Ninety-eight percent of the yeah. time, that you know they've had something happen that morning yeah. that's affected their mood, or you know, or like you said, that kind of getting close to the shame or you know, touching a nerve. That yeah. you know, it's a, it's about them. It's not about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in that moment, if you're comfortable feeling vulnerable, you can then go to them and say are you okay you be being okay with being vulnerable is about putting yourself out there yeah no matter what the consequences go to them are you all right I've got the feeling that you're not having a great day can I make you a cup of tea Mm. can I do anything to help that forms connection yeah rather than calling them a name having an argument and then slinking off and avoiding them for another two weeks you know yeah. we all want to feel connection connection to a human being it means survival you know it goes back to when we were tribes people if you weren't connected and accepted in the tribe you got thrown out you probably would die it's, that's why it feels so strong yeah. you know it's such a driver inside of us yeah absolutely uh, one of the things that we do on the podcast is try and 
you know, leave people with some strategies or some tools that okay. they can try and use in their everyday life. Yep. So kind of taking everything that we've spoken about, um, can you come up with, uh, you know, between one and three tips or tools that people could use, like from today? I can, and you can um, you can read them because I've written about them as well, um, and they are number one: stop judging, drop the judgment, um, drop ju- drop judging yourself first. Get to know yourself, even the dark bits that you're not very attracted to. Make peace with them, because when you're at peace with you, then you can be more compassionate, kind and understanding and peaceful with others outside of you. That's the biggest thing. Learn to like yourself, build your self-worth, nurture yourself. Um, Stop being a perfectionist. Stop trying to be perfect. It is not a human condition to be perfect. We're We're perfectly imperfect, all of us. And that's what makes us relatable. That's what makes people connect to you. That's what makes us authentic. And remember that other people might be using you as their perfection. They might be looking at you and thinking, oh, I wish I could be like Hannah. She's so great. She's so wonderful. So they might be making themselves feel uncomfortable against you. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, where are you? So accept that you're imperfect. You're never going to get it done. You're never going to be finished. You're never going to be healed fully. You're never going to be perfect. Be okay with that. Do you know what? I think if if there was someone that I genuinely thought was completely perfect, I don't think I'd want to be friends with them because it'd be so much pressure. So then why do I want to be perfect? Because then I'm going to be alone. We all have that person in our lives at some point that has the perfect partner they look perfect they are are polished all the time their house is gorgeous you know their kids are very well behaved in my experience there's usually a lot going on behind that but how annoying are they how annoying is that we're not robots you know i want imperfect friends so that i'm not measuring myself against them all the time and we I can relate to them and, you know, yes. So stop the perfection. It's not human. We're not robots yet. Um, Stop people pleasing. Learn to say no. Set good personal boundaries. You can read up on it. There's loads of stuff online. Um, Boundaries are very important. When you say yes to everything, it's because you want to feel liked and connected to other people. You want them to like you and you want them to connect with you. But actually, the opposite can often happen where you say yes to everything, you just can't do it all, and you end up letting people down. And then they will feel angry with you and then they will disconnect from you. So just say no and say I'm so sorry no I can't do that right now and say it with a beautiful smile on your face and with love and compassion in your heart you will get respect and more connection from that than saying yes all the time and the last thing I would say is take the masks off stop acting in doing the first thing where you stop judging yourself and get to know you for you and learn to like yourself and you will learn about yourself, your former relationship, you'll learn about you as a person and who you are at your core. Reject that person. It warts and all. 
and just rip off those masks it gets confusing you forget who you are with one person and another person you forget what you told one person another person it is exhausting when you wear masks so just drop the act do you and do you really well there's that famous saying isn't it that you know that when you're yourself the people that matter won't mind and the people that mind they don't, don't matter. matter that's no. really true that is really true and um what i mentioned to you earlier the oscar world quote is be yourself because everyone else is taken which that just makes perfect sense yeah yeah exactly yeah the the kind of things that get us kind of caught up and not in a good headspace is that should and it's that comparison you know to people that we think are perfect or just to other people that are not us and not being true to ourselves and not connected to ourselves and yeah that is Another big thing actually is you are not your emotions, you feel your emotions. So when people say I'm angry, that's like a prescription for misery. No, you're not angry, you are feeling angry right now. Emotions of weather that blow in, like you can have a storm blows in, it rolls around inside of you for a while, it's not very pleasant, you know, like going out in the rain. But then it will move on and the sunshine will come out if you allow it to. Don't get stuck with it. And don't don't own it. It's just moving through you. Energy in motion, emotion. I think we either like sometimes we hold on to it, so I, I'm angry. Or we just try and like deny it. And I think that particularly, you know, maybe that comes from with children that, you know, parents don't want their child to be upset or angry, so they maybe try and, like, distract them. Yeah. But then they don't actually sit with that emotion yeah. and learn to actually, like you said, just kind of weather the storm and it will move on. Yeah. So they either, yeah, come to, like, associate themselves with it or just never get used to dealing with... Yeah, perfectionism you know. again. Yeah. They're pinning perfection on to the child, which is then demonising everything else, which yeah. is going to set the child up for not really very yeah. happy, emotionally healthy life. I think it's that if you've got a child that's upset, you don't want them to be upset. So you're trying to make them not upset. Yeah, you're actually, trying to convince them that they're not upset yeah. because you feel uncomfortable about the fact that yeah. they're upset. They're probably fine with being upset. But it's, it's a human emotion and I think we're trying to protect them from that. But in doing so, yeah. not preparing them for the realities yeah. of life, that there are going to be times that suck. Yeah. That you're going to be sad and angry. Yeah. But you can deal with it. Yes. And I think that, yeah, it's a lot more about the, the adults sitting with uncomfortable feelings than other people because yes. that is hard as well, like saying sadness to myself but also my friend's sad mm. sitting with that sadness yeah and not trying to just distract them with a joke or a kind of you yeah. know actually that sort of let's just sit in this you know in this moment for now and then it will yeah will pass i think we just don't like uncomfortable emotions no in anyone no it's true and we were sort of saying when we chatted before that particularly with um british people it's that whole stiff upper lip We've all been taught to, to put on your brave face, no matter what's going on, which there is a place for that, definitely. But generally, that is not a healthy way to live because you're shoving all those un, um, unexpressed emotions down inside yourself. That's a recipe for depression, irritable bowel, um, autoimmune disease, you know, all of that stuff. 
that to start to slosh around inside you. It is like, when you think about the weather analogy, it's like if a storm blew in and you caught it inside a jar and put a lid on it, that storm would roll around forever inside, unresolved, until you let it go and move on. And that's what happens when we acknowledge the emotions locked within us, name them, call them out, look at them. Why is that there? Understand, and then you can integrate it and you can move on. It's interesting that the term integrate. So in my counselling course, I don't talk about that, that people need to, I guess, open that jar, yeah. experience it, yeah. to integrate it as a way of being okay yeah. with whatever has happened or whatever they're feeling and, yeah. to, and to move on. And I guess that's the process of therapy is that opening it is. of the jars. And, and, kind of and having the courage to look inside the jar and get a great big torch and shine it in there and look at what's in there no matter how scary or horrible or cringy it is shine the light on it and realize that actually it's not as bad as i thought um and then and then understand why is that there where is that coming from or even just go oh that's frustration fair enough feeling a bit frustrated there's probably a good reason I'm not going to feel like that the rest of my life when you have a strong uncomfortable emotion it does feel like you're there the rest of your life but you're not going to spend your whole life in that emotion it's going to go eventually so just let it do its thing and wander off at some point Um, a huge power I've had in my relationship with my partner is not trying to justify why I feel the way I do but giving him understanding of where I am emotionally because he gets terrified with me with strong emotion you know I cry sometimes I don't know why I'm crying let alone trying to explain to him why I am I just am I'm just spilling some stuff out to get rid of it he gets terrified by that and the way that we've dealt with that now is I will go to him I will look inside myself and say what's going on and it's always oh I'm feeling vulnerable oh I'm feeling angry oh I'm feeling sad and I'll just say to him he'll say what's going on and I'll say I feel vulnerable today and I won't say because or try and explain sometimes he'll say well why is that then I'll say I don't know I just do and then he's like oh that's okay and he just gives me a big hug and it connects us Whereas if I felt vulnerable and then covered it up, then I would generally feel angry. Then I would get that feeling of carrying the storm around. He'll notice it and feel uncomfortable and think, what the hell, I've done something wrong. It must be me. Or, you know, I'll cause an argument. And it, and it does become a massive storm. So allowing yourself to feel it and be open and honest and call it, it's a very healing, it's a very connecting thing. And I, I used to think showing my emotions to my partner would push them away and would sever the connection. But with him, since I've done it this way, not my old way of trying to hide, hide my feelings, force them to say, I love you first, because I didn't want to say it. This is, this way I get my dream relationship by being completely imperfect and showing every single undesirable part of me because then he is loving me anyway. He's loving me as a whole person, not as a facet that I'm showing. You know, we're multifaceted beings. There are many facets to us. Some are dark, some are light, but you need all of them to be the whole. Yeah, yeah. I like the, um, you mentioned about that justification for feelings. And I think sometimes 
we have to we kind of if you're feeling negative emotion we feel like we have to justify it yeah. but we don't like you could just be feeling <laughs> sad and like why do you have to justify it feels it's feeling? because you feel like it's not you're not allowed to yeah. feel that way well, I'm, there must be a reason there must be it. a reason there's something wrong with me I'm broken you know I I'm unhealed whatever it is and then that goes back into feelings of shame mm. you feel shame because you're not feeling blissful every moment of your life yeah and then shame is what kills the vulnerability the connection yeah and I think that mentioned this earlier and I've talked about this before that if you like if you were happy all the time then it wouldn't be the same because it would just be flat well there'd and be no gauge there'd be no contrast in your life we have to have contrast which is the dark light you know you've got to have the not good days to realize actually most of the time I feel great yeah. I find now whereas in my previous life um, most of it was dark days and it would be unusual for me to have a happy day and I go, oh my goodness me, it's a happy day. Now, I find that the, the not good feeling days are so uncomfortable. The contrast is so stark now because most of the time I feel generally good. Hmm. I might not feel blissful, but I feel optimistic. You know, I have a sense of optimism, a sense of progress, a sense of comfort, hmm. um, a sense of contentment. Yeah, all those good feeling things are great most of the time. So when when I'm not feeling that way, it's really uncomfortable. But but even that in itself shows me how much progress I have made personally to feeling a lot a lot better all the time. So actually, in a way, I welcome those days for that contrast. Yeah, you know, to highlight it. And also, like you said, they, they kind of tell you something. They give you a message. Yeah. So if you're having like, a, you know, I have some days where I feel quite uh, overwhelmed. And, you know, and I think what I've learned is that that's communicating to me that I have got too much going on. I'm yeah. tired. Yeah. I'm feeling run down. I need to take a step back. Absolutely. So when I'm in that kind of slightly emotional kind of overwhelm and get frustrated and feeling like I can't handle stuff, that's just because there is too much going on that you need to do all the self-care stuff, take, you know, take a step back. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's, there's a reason why you're having the down days. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, yeah, that if you're doing too much, take a day yeah. off, drink tea and watch old films, <laughs> have a cry. Yeah. Do you know what? A cry is so therapeutic sometimes. Yeah. To let it out. When no, it really is. It's a way of, of, like you say, cleansing, letting it out. And um, I, I don't know what research this was, but I know that years ago I read um, an article and it said that they tested the chemical makeup of tears and the chemical makeup changes depending on why you're crying. Yeah. So if you're crying from stress, what's in your tears is going to be different from if you're crying because you feel overjoyed mm. and happy. So yes, it's, you know, your body's kind of clearing itself, isn't it? Another way, actually, when you, if you meditate, um, your body does all sorts of things when you clear out big stuff. You yawn, you cry, sometimes I giggle, you sneeze, even farting, anything that's releasing, it does, your body does let go of it, all those things. Burping, I know it's weird but I burp a lot when I meditate. <laughs> There you go, that's me showing a vulnerable part of myself. Do you meditate in a group or at home? No, 
at home, I always thought, you know, many people have said, oh, I don't know how to meditate. It's not, it's not a, something that you can or can't do. Everyone can do it. And all you need to do, I mean, there's many types, but if you're just going to do a little 15-minute one, 15 minutes is enough in the morning or whenever suits, you close your eyes, take a few breaths, and notice the breath going in through your nose and then out through your mouth. And then you do a quick body scan. So you put your attention on your head and then you work down through the whole of your body. Notice any pain, discomfort, the bits that feel comfortable. And then I, I sink down inside, so I zone out and I listen. I notice, and I'll notice the hum of a refrigerator, the sound of cars outside, people talking. I look into that and I sink inside myself. I feel like I go down like in an elevator to the basement and I look inside and I ask myself what's going on in here and I kind of then I can clearly see what emotions are washing around in there and then I just say oh that's interesting what's that doing there then and then I get like I said pictures words memories anything your body knows it's interesting that elevator thing because I think that's one of one of the many ways of getting into those kind of hypnotic uh, states is that an elevator going down or stairs or something about yeah, going down deeper. Yeah, I move my attention. Often we're so in our heads, we're so in our minds these days, which yes, we need to be some of the time, but it feels to me as though a lot of the time everyone's all in their heads and they're not within their bodies and their feelings. So I shift my awareness out of my mind into my feelings as well, into my what I'm holding within my body and the experience in there, feelings and emotions and yeah. you know, put the attention onto that instead. Yeah. So, so there was something uh, we spoke about before uh, about imposter syndrome, oh, which yes. I guess has <laughs> a link to vulnerability as well and that all those kind of doubts and, and that kind of thing. And there was something that you said which really kind of resonated and I've said it probably not very accurately to several people uh, so I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about imposter syndrome and the way you kind of view it yeah imposter syndrome is something that I learned about a couple of years ago which I thought was something that was just me and many people that I've talked to they've said they say oh my goodness we are so pleased to hear that I thought it was me um, and what it is it's that even though you are really good at something, um, you know, maybe your job or within a relationship or, you know, being a parent, whatever that is, you feel as though you're a fake. You feel as though you're an imposter in your own life. Um, so for me personally, I'm a graphic designer. That comes with huge levels of perfectionism and, you know, it's never good enough, all of that. So I've been doing this for about 30 years now. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but I literally felt that when I'd meet a new client, they might find out I can't, I can't do this. This might be the one project where I go blank and I don't know what to do. And then they'll find out that I can't do this job. I have been doing this job 30 years, but it's not logical. So it is that feeling of I'm an imposter, I shouldn't really be here. Um, and it was first discovered years ago, they, they discovered it around the 50s, 60s, and it was particularly with women that were climbing up the ladder of success, but they only looked at women at that time. And since then, um, it's sort of been talked about more, studied more. 
they've done a study where they've realised that actually it's equal in both women and men. Um, and it is very prevalent. I, I don't know how accurate this is, but I know I read a study and it was around 60%, 70% of people have this imposter syndrome. Yeah, and I like the reasons I'm for is that idea that, you know, you have some people, and I'm sure everyone can think of an example of someone who thinks they know everything yeah. about a topic, and they're the expert, and they really, like, know nothing <laughs> about yeah. that thing. Yeah. And that idea that if you kind of know your stuff, mm. you're aware of how much you don't know. So, yes. like, psychology is my thing, and so I sort of teach psychology, I have a master in psychology, I'm now getting more into it in an applied way with the coaching and I am very aware that it is a massive field and I don't know all of it. It's not yeah. possible to know all of it. Yeah. And and so then you feel the imposter syndrome. Yeah. But it's almost yeah. yeah. Kind of Yeah. If you're feeling that, then actually take it as a good thing because it pretty much means that you are really good at what you're doing. And it means that you've reached a level, like you say, where you know so much but you realize that you don't know what you don't know until you find out what you don't know and there is so much more to know and it feels like you're never going to know it all and there are other people that know more than you in it and you you embrace that and actually that means that you know your subject mm. because you know that you don't know what you don't know mm. um, and it does seem to be prevalent in people that that kind of are experts and really good at what they're doing so comfort yourself with that but I do also feel it's it's coming to the fore a lot more now because we're so exposed to what everyone else is doing you know online social media we've all got that little measuring stick and uh, we're all looking at what other people are doing you know looking at your peers and I, I get that with myself if I begin looking at other, what other people are doing online you know graphic design or writing or whatever that's when I just think right I'm giving it all up I'm not saying I'm never going to be as good as them you know it's about measuring yourself against others but actually it does mean that you know your stuff and do you know I had real imposter syndrome about moving into coaching um, and I might have said this before on the podcast that you know I was like oh I can't I can't coach like my life's not together enough I can't and then I saw um, an advert and it was like, take this course and you'll be able to coach people because you don't want to spend years studying psychology. It's like, but I have. <laughs> uh, so one thing. And then that kind of, uh, you know, I'm developing an online course, which is look like going live in November. And I was like, I can't, I can't create an online course. I can't. And then I was like, hang on. I'm a teacher. I have been teaching five, six years. I want a teaching qualification. I can create a course because yeah. that's what I do. But just because it's something different and I'm yeah. sort of setting my own curriculum, yeah. which I do to a certain extent, you know, anyway, but kind of, yeah, it was that real, like, oh, other people are doing it, I can't do it. And then when you stop, you're like, oh, well, why can't I? Because it is actually, I've got those skills. It's just that doubt or that imposter syndrome. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when you, when you put those years in, you've kind of got used to it you get used to where you are I mean if I if I stepped into your classroom and listened to you teaching I would think wow you know that's that's a lady that knows her stuff 
but you've taken a long time to reach this point it's been in increments so you don't notice the improvement like anything you know if you got time traveled from when you left uni university to now difference there would be amazing but we don't see that we just live our lives every day time passes and we just kind of think we are now how we were back then you don't you don't see that and also um, I've discovered when you have a strong attachment when something means a lot to you you're really attached to it you know it's like what you're doing this is your passion you know you're, you're kind of living your calling aren't you really and you're taking a, a big risk putting yourself out there when you have that attachment it means a lot and then you start thinking oh but it might fail and that voice comes up in your mind that little sort of chattery chimp that goes on at you all the time I think it's also wanting to you know there's lots and lots I keep getting adverts for them of course teaching how to put a course out there and everyone has a course in them and it's like I want it to be quality yeah you know it's about actually helping people it's not just oh, I'm gonna just create this thing which is all right yeah it's, it has to be good quality because like you said it is a passion it is a calling and it is for me it is also about that helping people and sharing stuff and if I'm just like half-heartedly doing it mm. that's not okay with me it's got to be you know yeah. the best stuff because yeah 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 so um if, uh, if people want to kind of uh, connect with you, and I know you sort of mentioned the website, yes. um, and um, or for graphic design, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Right. So I have to refer to my notes because I don't know my, my addresses off the top of my head. Um, so the website is thehappinessgap.co.uk. I'm, um, I have a few articles on there, but I have a lot more written down that are going to go on as we move forward. If anybody wants to know about a particular subject as well, then contact me. If you want me to write about something, or if you want to hear my opinion on it, I would love to know. So that'd be amazing. Give us some ideas. What you would like? What would help? Um, on Facebook, it's the Happiness Gap HQ. And then on Instagram, it's also the Happiness Gap HQ. Awesome. Yeah. And um, I can put some links in the show notes. Absolutely. So can access that. that. Yeah. Uh, is there, I mean, we've kind of touched on a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there any, anything else you want to share or kind of comment on or any other thoughts? I think the main thing is learn to be present and learn to love yourself. Be your own best mate. Be your own parent, be your own partner. If you can move to that point, that you are the starting block of everything. Everything grows out from you. So work on that. Stop trying to fix things on the outside. Go inside of you. It's all there. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been really fun. It's my pleasure. It's great down talking and have with the you. Yeah, it's been lovely. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank you. So thank you again to Sarah for joining me for this amazing discussion that we had. As I've said, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I hope all of you enjoyed listening to it as well. And you can visit Sarah's website, Happiness Gap. Link is below to find out more and to read some really interesting articles. And you can check out that five-part series on vulnerability. So the kind of takeaway, I guess, overall is to think about how you are vulnerable thinking about the shame that you're holding 
and sort of putting yourself out there and being a bit vulnerable this week. And, you know, I'm all about the kind of experimental living at the moment, as I've said, and just giving things a go and seeing what happens. So why not try that this week? Try with someone you trust, maybe being a little vulnerable, being a little bit more open, sharing something a little deeper and just see what happens. You know, it's, it's, I guess it's like a muscle um, that it's quite daunting to start with, but the more you do it, the more that you're open and see that actually, you know, it's everything that's in your head, the fear rather than the actual outcome that, you know, is scary. Um, it'll become easier, I think, and, and more comfortable and lead to deeper connections and deeper relationships. So give it a go. Let us know how you get on. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it with your family and friends or anyone that you think would benefit from it. And please rate and review wherever you've downloaded it from so it can reach more people. And we'll see you again next week.